Amen. So I know that I read a scripture reading that one was long and two had a lot of names that even I have a hard time pronouncing, right? And so you might be thinking to yourself, well, what does this have to do with us? But let me just say this from the onset. I think that this scripture reading has more pertinence to us on this day than perhaps any of us realize. It's probably the most appropriate scripture for us in the past two years. I'll tell you a little bit more about that in just a minute. But we find ourselves at the last Sunday of a sermon series called Enough. This idea that if we live more with enough, that we might find a life more fully lived for ourselves and more importantly, for the community around us and the world, especially the earth. It was really meant to be a holistic series where we talk about how we can change daily practices, and we've covered some ground on how we've done that, and we'll get there in just a little bit. But the hope would be, frankly, that we might change the world, even as small and as minuscule as it seems, because that's the problems of the world that we see, right? They're just so massive and so big. But I fervently believe that the local church, that you all, are an avenue for change. And I believe it because I think that we change our lives. We try to be better together, right? And and I know that some of you might be wondering, you know, when are we going to have enough of this conversation enough, right? It seemed a little paradoxical last week to be talking about enough here in the sanctuary and then to go off on my way with my keiki as my kids had way more than enough candy and still do in the refrigerator, right? You know, I'm, I'm not the only one, though, that has kids with too much. Okay. They have more than enough, right? And we're moving into this season, and last Sunday's was a Sunday of caution as we go back to normal, that we might not go back to normal. And what I mean by that is this idea that we overconsume often. And we're going to be tempted to do that more and more. I want to tell you a story a little bit about my uh, upbringing. I grew up in a small town in Minnesota, and I know many of you have heard me talk about that. Um, But one of the things that was unique uh, about when I went off to college, and I didn't quite realize it at first, and I think some level it was like a, a testament to the times and how society had changed, but some of it was also the fact that I moved to California, and I'm speaking in particular of going to grocery stores you know, everyday normal practice. And I go to grocery stores in California and they had like every fruit and vegetable under the sun because the sun always shines in California, right? And they can grow everything there. But it didn't, it took me probably, mm, I don't know, a couple years into school until I started to realize something was different than my childhood. See, because I I remember this time when around this season, different seasons of the year, different things would both be available in abundance and unavailable altogether in the grocery store. I bet some of you who grew up here in Hawaii know that a little bit, right? I mean, in my my upbringing, it was the people with the pickup trucks that would back their truck up on the side of the road with just an entire bed full of corn, right, (laughs) that we would eat in the summertime, corn on the cob. But then there are other times in the month when you might do a recipe that called for strawberries or grapes, and there were none to be had in the grocery stores, like zero you could find. And, and it's changed, hasn't it, right? You can walk into the store, and I cannot worry about, I might have to pay an arm and a leg, right, for those strawberries that are out of season. But, and you know that sometimes things are more in season, but it feels like now, especially when I was living in California, but even still here in Hawaii, this remote place, 
that you can go into the store whenever you want, and things are just always available, right? You know, you can get it whenever, and you never have to worry, because if you do have to worry, you can just send it in on Amazon if you really need it to, right? But it, it was, it's just a change in my worldview, almost, that I can get what I want whenever I want it. And we live in, in a time where that's more and more the case. I, I remember uh, it was six years ago now that I moved over to Island, and one of the, the biggest culture shocks of moving to Hawaii was when I bought something online, or on Amazon in particular, I had to wait two weeks to get it, right? So some of you who are new to the island know that you are used to getting something from Amazon in a day to two days, and now you have to wait two whole weeks and plan ahead accordingly. I mean, we get it when we want it now, right? All I have to do is pull out my phone and put an order online, and it can show up to my doorstep, hopefully within hours or maybe even within a couple days. And this instantaneous, gratifying culture that we live in, and on top of that, we don't live in a world that lives with without sometimes, at least here in the United States, that we can get what we want when we need it. And so it's hard for us to go without, and so I appreciate you journeying with me for the past five weeks now as we've talked about how maybe having more than enough all the time and things when we want it whenever we can get it, or we can get it whenever we want it, how that isn't always the fullest way to live. And I mentioned earlier that this scripture is more appropriate for us than any other I can imagine on this day. We have more people than we have had in a year, 17 months since the pandemic in our sanctuary with us. And I'm sure if we were to look at the numbers afterwards, we're going to have friends that are joining online in person. So outside from the first Easter of the pandemic, this is the most, which when we have, so many people came online, this is the most people at one time that are worshiping together in our faith community. And friends, it has felt like forever since we've seen this many people, and when I'm preaching, I don't have to pretend to see your eyes in the sanctuary, because I do that sometimes when no one was in here. But there's actually, you're here, and it is so good to have your presence among us. And as I, as I read the scripture, and I stood, and I read the scripture, and, and I was reading out loud, I, I for a moment had myself in the seats of Nehemiah and Ezra, who were called together. Because little did you know, probably, but the context of Nehemiah and Ezra is a post-exile context. You know, this is a time when the a majority of Israelite people were sent off to Babylon, right? And we get stories like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel. The time when they're living there, and, and Cyrus, King Cyrus, gave an edict that, that they could go back that the Israelites could go back to the temple and they immediately begin building, getting everything ready and doing all these things. But today, the scripture we read was the first public reading of the Torah since the 70 years they had been gone. And friends, our 17 months feels like that 70 years, doesn't it? having to learn to live with being not together and, and virtual. And, we, and we've adapted, and I know that for some of us we might have it, but as our faith ohana, it feels like that. 
And the scripture itself, what does it speak to? It speaks to uh, these people that had gathered together, and they have to console the people, right? They have to console the people. Hey, don't weep, but celebrate. Don't weep, but celebrate, because I, I can only imagine. 17 months has felt like a long time, but 70 years, friends, This is not the first time in the existence of the people of God that we've been unable to gather in the way we would have preferred. And for 70 years they were away, and then they come back, and the emotion and the joy, but also remember things were different, right? They had married some of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the different ites, right? And their culture and the customs had changed, and those that had gone off to Babylon, had taken back with them some Zoroastrian faith, some different ways of understanding their God. So although, although it was joyful, and perhaps the emotion was that of sorrow, I'm sure there's some remnants of the journey ahead still, right? That although we're gathered in person and we can celebrate together, we still are masking and we still are trying to maintain social distance and we're still being cautious for fellowship hour afterwards. And so it still kind of feels bittersweet. But there's something about this day for the Israelites that was super meaningful for them. And I think it had everything to do with this idea of learning to live with enough. And so here's my claim. My claim that learning to live with enough is a biblical principle that God has for us to recognize our reliance on God. I think it's a more full way to live because we don't have an overabundance that we can give to ensure all have enough. And I believe that one of the things it does is it makes the times when we celebrate all the more celebratory, all the more celebratory. I often talk with one of my buddies who is a farmer. We went to grad school together, and he ended up, instead of going into the church, he went into the field. And so he's a farmer at a a local garden, and one of the things that we often talked about was what could the church learn from repositioning itself within that agrarian lifestyle for which the Bible was written? right? Because the Bible was written to primarily an agrarian people, people that lived off of the land. You know, they couldn't walk into the grocery store and get, you know, grapes and strawberries and all the things whenever they want. And at some level, their entire calendar year throughout the Bible eventually became rhythmed around the farm and the life on it. And not just that, but they learned to fast appropriately and they learned to feast accordingly. And so me and my friend Matt, we would often talk about what would it look like for the church to learn that principle again? To learn to feast together, to celebrate together. And you know what we we always said to ourselves? But the thing is, is that we always have more than enough to celebrate, (laughs) right? We always have the things that we can do, accessible at our fingertips. Unless we learn to live with less, the celebration is not as sweet. 
And so as we gather this morning for Sunday, I think, I think we can feel it just a bit more. And it's not always just 100% joy because it comes with complexity. But there's something about the fact that we've gone without for a while or with enough because we've been able to worship still and we've been connecting online, we've been doing different things. But there's something now that makes our gathering meaningful in a new way. And see, this, friends, is a principle, I think, that we ought to build into our belief that we should live a life of enough. That in the same way that we live with less at times, we also are known for our celebrating together as well. Eat the, eat the fatted meat, drink the sweet wine, they say to the people. Celebrate, for now is a time to celebrate. And eventually this day that was marked in Nehemiah became a day when they would, in fact, do just that celebrate. The festival of the tabernacle, or the festival of booths, is a day that is still celebrated amongst our Jewish brothers and sisters, coinciding with the fall and remembering the wilderness that we found ourselves journeying within. See, the church has adopted, and I'm sure many of you came here on Sunday morning today knowing you were coming to celebrate, right? <laughs> celebrate around the table. Perhaps some of you, but it's Communion Sunday, so some might be here for Communion Sunday. I imagine some may or may not be here for All Saints Day. All Saints Day used to be one of the days that we would celebrate as a church community. It'd be this high holy day where we come together and lift up the life of the saints. And there's others that the church has had throughout our history, right? We think of the big ones like Christmas and Easter, but the church eventually became to celebrate different saints and they had different feasts, just as our Jewish brothers and sisters had different ways of celebrating. Because although it's worthwhile living with enough, it's also worthwhile to celebrate in community together. It's worthwhile to have party and to, to sing with joy and to have fellowship in exuberance and to live just for a brief moment with more than enough. And, and so I know it might seem paradoxical for what we're talking about, but some things are just worth celebrating. But there's a caveat, okay? There's a caveat. One of the reasons that makes it so much more powerful this day is that all are able to gather. The festival of booths, where they eventually started to, to celebrate this day, took place at the, at the gate, right? Most of the other festivals within the Jewish tradition would take place within the temple. And I don't know if you knew anything about the ancient Jewish temple, but they had these like layers of walls, kind of like layers of an onion. And, and just depending on who you were and your stance within the inner circle of the, the Jewish community was where you could be, you know? So they had the, the wall that kind of separated the Jews from the Gentiles, right? But then they had the other wall. So if you were a, a Jew, 
uh, like a God-fearer, so you had gone through all of the process to convert to Judaism, even though you weren't born into Judaism. You, you could go into another area within the temple, but then the other area was just for those who, you know, were you know, born and raised within the Israel faith. And then there was the art part where, you know, the priests could go, and then there was the Holy of Holies, where the Ark goes. So it was these levels of connection, but not on this day. This was outside in a different spot at the gate, which means that anyone could come. And in fact, the scripture says it, right? If you heard a couple times, what did it say? It was read aloud for all who understood, which means that some of the people that had gathered didn't even know how to speak Hebrew. They didn't even understand the words. It was just an opportunity for anyone and everyone to gather around. And so out of enough, it doesn't matter if you knew God, worshiped God, knew how to understand Hebrew or whatever. None of that mattered. What mattered was the celebration. And if you read, they also ensured that all who gathered, even for the celebration, were able to eat and feast and be merry. Because that's what living the wilderness teaches you. It teaches us how to live with enough so that all might have enough. And so when we celebrate, we celebrate together around the table. So it doesn't matter if you have doubts, you're welcome. It doesn't matter if you're male or female, you're welcome. It doesn't matter if you grew up in Hawaii your whole life or you just moved to Ireland two weeks ago, you're welcome. We are all welcome around the table, and, th- and that's something that we as a faith community pride ourselves on, and we celebrate together. That we are open and welcome to all, no matter what, without exceptions. No race, no sexuality, no nothing separates us or distinguishes us, because around the table we feast with all the saints that have come before us. And we celebrate the life that they led to allow us to live our life of faith. And so we think about the hospitality and the love and the generosity we experienced through them. And we think about how we can come together out of the wilderness, out of a time of living without And through all of it, whether we live with enough of our daily bread or the time of our feasting, we recognize that all might have enough and that all might celebrate their seat at God's table with all the saints and all the people of all time, no distinction. Not even if you can understand it, Nehemiah says. That's something that's worth celebrating and worth sharing together. I invite you to pray with me.